Hey everyone, welcome to Spawn Camp Podcast. Each week we focus on the games and media that we love and all the positive things that set them apart. I'm Tony, I'm a graphic designer and I love video games. And I'm joined this week by two lovely hosts. We have Kiwi. Hello, um, I am Kiwi, part-time podcast host, lover of all things nerdy and video games, and just all-around bluehead nerd. And also we are joined by Trey over in Orlando. Hi there, I'm Trey, I'm over in Orlando, Florida, and I teach students how to make games and simulations at a technical college. Excellent. And this week, we're going to do a follow-up to our previous uh, episode about video game films. You do not have to have listened to that episode, this will be a standalone thing, but we mostly wanted to dive directly into Mortal Kombat 2021 and Monster Hunter 2020. But before we start on that, if either of you would like to tell me what you've been getting up to, I'm very curious. I have been watching season two of Love, Death and Robots on Netflix because it's absolutely incredible and we had to stop watching them last night so that we didn't just go through the entire season in one night um, because that would be a massive shame. But yeah, if, if you've never heard of it or seen it before, basically every episode is done by a whole different team so it's a completely different story, completely different animation style and it's a little bit like animated Black Mirror, just for anyone who's a, who's a fan of Black Mirror. But yeah, that's that's pretty much all I've had time to do recently. But yeah, it's amazing. What were the order of episodes that you got? Because I've, I've heard that it gives a completely random order to, to every person. Oh, that's a question. Um, I cannot remember the names of the episodes. I, I could give a description of them, but the names aren't something, um, aren't something I remember. But I'm pretty sure every time I go onto Netflix, it's the same order. So I don't know if it randomizes it by person or if it just randomizes it in general. I don't know if you've seen, um, God, I'm forgetting exactly the order. Love, Sex and Robots, right? Love, Love Death, Death and Robots. Robots. I always make Love that mistake as well. <laughs> that would be redundant, wouldn't it be? Love and Sex and Robots. Um, but the first few episodes that I've seen now of the second season, the first one was about a killer vacuum robot. The second yes. one was on a exoplanet with uh, enhanced beings and ice whales. And the third one was about a population that lives forever and they have police they send out to kill children because they are controlling overpopulation. Um, were those the first few episodes you had? Yeah, I've just pulled it up just to be sure. We watched a couple more than that, but yes, they, they were the first three episodes. I think we watched two more after that but they're all so different that you can just keep watching them and not get bored like we still go back to season one because it's just it's just that entertaining season one had some good standouts like sunny's game and uh because that had the same character designer as the guy in dishonored and then uh the witness of course and that was actually i believe one of the creative talents behind the spider-verse like into the spider-verse that ended up leaving the production so there's like little traces of drama back there but ultimately it's just like an incredible standout show and to kind of answer your question what i've been getting up to um i guess saw one love death and robots i got killer vacuum cleaner with the uh, same episode as the frost whales and i just finished resident evil 8 Yesterday, I binged the entirety of season four, Castlevania. So I thought the highlights really <laughs> made it worth watching because there are some slower parts, but it really did stand out when it was at its best. There's a there's a monologue in season three that 
I really loved that. I mean, overall, the story, you can kind of lose yourself in where the episodes connect because they don't really tell it episodically. It, it introduces the season more like a super long episode. But there's a, a monologue that one of the more evil characters has with uh, a, a slaver kind of person. And he kind of defines like what he means by bad or like what the main differences between good and bad is or like why people struggle. I'm also probably not doing as much of a service to why this thing was so cool, but I remember like digesting that and rewatching that monologue and being like, this is some damn good writing about, you know, the the reasons behind why someone does something or like giving a justification for villainy that's not just black and white. It's a very satisfying show with plenty of action as well. Um, and as, as far as myself, I've been diving into Days Gone, which I will be talking with Angel more on in depth soon. It's the playstation plus game from last month it has a lot of issues i can't put it down because i still actually really enjoy it despite the issues but i think that it's worth talking about what those are and why (laughs) primarily that the dialogue is dog shit and it's really important to (laughs) be upfront about that it is okay storytelling told in the worst possible way you have a smattering of characters that just cannot convey emotion it is like they're emotionally constipated and watching them (laughs) struggle to push out any kind of feeling that is designed that way it's not like you have real people that are struggling to converse you've written them to be struggling and it is unbearable it's i imagine they're trying to make it natural dialogue but it just feels cringy and awful I'm not going to be super harsh on it. It's just that's the thing that sticks out. If I could have my experience thus far minus that bullshit, I'd be so much happier. (laughs) I feel like I need to play it now. (laughs) I I think that you'd like it. One of the main criticisms I heard that I'm experiencing currently is that the game doesn't open up until like 60 hours where there's... And it's open. Like there's plenty you can do your... You're a guy named Deacon St. John, and you're a biker in in Oregon, and you're a real tough nut, but you miss your wife, and she's dead, and you're struggling. It's like, yeah, I know, I get it, man. You have a a shotgun, and you got a chip on your shoulder, and everything's hard. And you have access to to cool guns as you go further along, but there's this insurmountable type of enemy that's just a horde of, of zombies, which is something that the main marketing push of the game was is they have like a fluid simulation for enemies where they just come at you like this giant horrifying wave i have killed one horde (laughs) i think it was mostly by accident they were all chilling in a cave and i was like i'm just gonna place a bunch of bombs and maybe i can tackle it but apparently after like 60 ish hours in the game you get much better resources to be able to tackle that and that's like the main fun of the game but to go through that much game to get to that point is kind of a rough ride literally but yes i have been talking a lot i would like to hear from you all and i would like to open it up with uh we both i believe have either seen monster hunter or mortal Kombat or both recently and i would love to start to get some impressions from you all okay. whoever wants to jump in first <laughs> mortal Kombat. i haven't seen monster hunter um, i will i'm sure but i i loved it like, I don't even care. Anyone who hates it at me, like, I don't care. I love it so much. <laughs> and I understand. I see its flaws. I do. I get it. But I also love 
the original really cheesy one as well. Um, minus the, was he French? The French actor who played Raiden in the first one. And I was just like, you just know, stop. But other than that, I love the original. I love this one. It's just the, the main negativity I've seen around it online is that they created this own character and put him in there. I think it's called, if from if I remember right, he's called Cole. Put him in there as the main character of the whole film. And people were like, well, the, the Mortal Kombat roster is so big. Why did you need to do that? But I actually think, unlike the Resident Evil movies, where the creation of Alice annoyed the absolute hell out of me, I actually think this helps with the story because it makes every roster character feel special and it gives you a way to go through the story of it without every character feeling shoehorned in or focusing too much on one character because you're never going to focus on a character that everybody likes, right? So yeah, they're my thoughts. I loved it. I'd watch it again. I will watch it again. What about you, Trey? There are a lot of movies that I feel like you can tell that they kind of knew that they were going to be bad from the start, and so they just didn't have fun on the set, and this was not one of those films. Like, it seemed like this was what would happen if a bunch of stunt actors came together and like, well, I know how to do this really cool move, and so we can like fit it into this scene, and we'll have like a really cool fight scene, and you're, you're fighting the CG monster, you know, so you have to like kick them in the cool way, and I feel like they just were friends with each other and i could almost like feel that you know they're roasting kano but i'm like that's not gonna last once they yell cut um overall i think that they kind of did themselves a disservice by um having the best scenes be so far away from each other because the main deal was like scorpion and sub-zero fighting each other so much that like if you look up posters you can see a lot of posters have the new character cole and he's, like, way off to the left. He's, like, so distant from everybody else. And um, I like Huey's point about uh, how it's different from Alice as an original character. Because Alice's thing that kind of that grates on people is that she shows up and she's instantly better than everybody else. Because she, you know, she's married to the director. That's um, true. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas Cole... She's the Mary Sue, yeah. Yeah, so Cole, by um, contrast... Um, he has the lamest power. He His thing is, like, he has a silly costume that protects him. And that's his, I think they call it an arcanum in this um, version of it. And so, yeah, by extent, it, it does make everybody else pop to the point where at the end, there are, like, the spoilers that essentially he's Johnny Cage. And I'm like, eh. He but is, but he isn't because there was it, the, yeah. the actual teaser for Johnny Cage in the sequel. But I, it's like a Black Panther suit, right? Where it's, like, kinetic yeah. energy. It's weird, mm-hmm. and it looks funky, but... Yeah, it was very much like the Black Panther suit. How it, like, absorbed kinetic energy. And, like, you could have had such a cool visual thing, but you went with that. And But the others were great by comparison. So it was fun to watch, and I could tell they had fun making it. So my impression was ultimately that I was expecting a lot less. So I was kind of happy with what I got, just by virtue of exceeding that expectation. The bar is low. The bar, the bar is exceptionally <laughs> low for video game films. That's yes. why we're here. We were hopeful that maybe these would be better. Um, they're on par, which is fine. Um, and I can't believe you're over here telling me that Sonya Blade's 
weird laser shooting arms is better than his kinetic suit. I think the kinetic Seriously, suit is way is. cooler. It looks like Warbla. It just looks like they had, you know, a rush job. Like, they found a cosplayer nearby. Like, hey, can you make us some armor for this movie? And they're like, how much money do you have? And it's like, not a lot. You have time. How much I time do you weekend. have? I feel like it would have been better if it was, like, a full suit as opposed to mm. just, like, a long sleeve t-shirt. But <laughs> yeah. the fact that We've already given out a couple of spoilers, so I'm presuming that's okay to do. Um, but the fact that they tied his like ancestry all the way back to Scorpion, mm-hmm. you could have done something so goddamn cool yeah. with that line and like the firepowers and just made it so much cooler than just a suit. I think, as it is, the Arcana, whatever it's called, does not bother me at all. It's just, if you're going to tie it back to one of the OGs that is that cool, you've got to kind of step up because you've got Scorpion doing his thing. You've got Sub-Zero literally ripping the arms off of a guy. And this is within like the first 10 minutes. You've, you've kind of got to step it up a little bit after that or it's mm-hmm. disappointing. So you're, you're touching on a little bit of my one of my first um, criticisms is it has a tone problem. Because um, <laughs> you're like, oh, in the first 10 minutes, they do this. The movie starts with this kind of quiet, peaceful setting with Hanzo Asashi, I believe is Scorpion's Japanese name. He's vibing in the forest, <laughs> ancient order slash times. Yeah, he's, he's living his plebe life. And um, Chinese guy, I'm forgetting Sub-Zero's actually name, but they, they're both speaking Chinese and Japanese together to each other. And they're actually referencing, like, I don't know what the hell you said, but fuck you, is basically, like, kind of what he says at one point. He's, like, he's like trash-talking him, and Scorpio's like, I don't know what you said, but I'm going to kill you. Um, yeah, so it's just a little weird tone-wise, because they, they jump straight from that to, like, we're in the present day, Cole's getting his ass beat, and then they do another hard cut, and they're like, we're on other world, and these villains are doing stuff, another hard cut, hey, we're back in this other place. They have a hard time, like, stringing together concepts. And sometimes they'll just take what would be two scenes that make sense. For instance, Cole learns of where Sonya Blade is, and he's like, I need to go see her because she can help me. And he drives there and goes to see her. But in the middle of that, they just place another scene of like, now we're on Otherworld and we're just hearing what these people have to say. You're like, just put the scenes together. That's It's an A to B. <laughs> you, don't have to, you don't have to go A to and then we have this random thing, and then to B. Like, you're not helping your storytelling by doing this. Bihan is the name of the original Sub-Zero, the slightly more dickish yes. version right. of Sub-Zero. <laughs> but they, they knew when they were putting this together that the, the bits people were going to want to see yeah. were the Scorpion Sub-Zero showdown. For me, though, there's always been like a secondary rivalry that not gets overlooked, but it's very underrated for what it is. And I blame the old movie for how PG that fight went. But the Sonya Blade Kano rivalry is incredible. And like the way that they dialed that up with Kano's character in this film, like the sassy, um, like Australianness of it all, the constant witty one liners. I get for some people that might be too much. I absolutely love that. Kano was my favorite like character in that movie. He was a lot to handle. Um, his, like, it's one thing to say that it's witty one-liners, but I feel like every other word he's just saying fuck or shit. And it's That's like, true. I get it. You have like an R rating and you're kind of, t- you're, you're doing a little bit of the gore the way that Mortal Kombat does over the top gore. But they're also just like, 
where can we work in the word fuck and where can we work in the word <laughs> shit to make this character seem edgy and you're like kano's so edgy that he's a a, a cube you know <laughs> it's just, he starts he starts to be bland i, I think i blocked all that out <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised, Trey, if he improvised it. Yeah, because, like, if you're, like, I'm just working with this completely speculative theory of them being friends who are just stunt actors on a set, and it's like, what if Kane and I said fuck a lot, and they just <laughs> roll with it, you know? Because it, it oh. also kind of, like, it, it sort of helps the group composition in that you don't have everybody, and it's like, okay, we have a problem, and we're all friends now. Because they have to, like, balance around Kano being a dick constantly, um, but it feels a little bit uh contrived how he's just like kano you're a dick but we kind of need you you know you're my friend the the plot reason why they're they're sticking with him which is weird is that he knows where raiden's secret temple is and in my head i'm like okay so it's probably somewhere remote probably somewhere dense probably somewhere where maybe it's even hidden by magical protection and they go to the literal desert and they go into the most boring cave ever. <laughs> and then they go deep into this, like, chasm. And that's his secret super cool temple. And immediately in my head, I'm like, where do they get food? Like, how do they how do they deal with basic issues? You know, what is this disgusting, horrible, barren landscape where they've decided to build their amazing temple? You've got, some, like, like, talking about, like, a Black Panther suit. you got Wakanda, and it's fucking awesome and lush, and it's hidden in, the, in plain sight. Do something cool like that. Like, if you're going to have all these characters have Asian ancestry, maybe a cool oriental temple. I don't know, but this is so boring. <laughs> this is the worst. Can you remember they the, the temples story. from the first one? Um, I think the, so. Did they film it in Thailand? I'm oh, sure yeah, they did. So, it's yeah. like, can you picture it if it was that kind of setting, but underground? But with, like vegetation and things like that not just like it's that setting but everything is red because it's all clay but actually cool that would have been better like actual if they'd have taken asian architecture scaled it up put it underground put all this foliage around it instead of just being like that's a cave it's just a big cave with a sand pit how much of the movie was in that cave most of it. A lot. Yeah, most <laughs> of it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. They got their money's worth out of that cave. It's an easy way to do sets. You know, you throw up a bunch of styrofoam walls. Um, and they and they come in there and they have this... They, and and I'm, I'm sure we all saw the same version. There is a, a extended scene where they come to this wall and Kano's like, what are you going to do? Use magic on it. And he puts... He, and then... Uh, I'm forgetting everyone's names. Liu Kang is like, yes. And he magics the wall open and this door appears. And he's like, well, that's pretty cool. And they all walk through. And then later, Batman shows up and just blows it up. And then they come up with a contrived way to do a magical electric energy wall. And you're like, if you're going to show me the magic door, just use it. Like, make that the reason why they can't come in the temple. Why do you have to have another thing that makes no sense and has no explanation? You've already devoted time to explaining this. What are you doing? <laughs> I had not made that link. I genuinely, like, I think when I watch these kind of films, I go in with the expectation, half of this is not going to make any sense whatsoever. Don't mm-hmm. question it too hard because then you'll just, like, put holes all throughout it and ruin it for yourself. So I don't look too hard into these things. The popcorn fodder movies, basically. Yeah. But now I'm never going to be able to unsee that. 
<laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and I want to I want to position a uh, a talking point for you guys to to let me know how you feel about. But this is the thing I notice a lot of modern action films is they don't know how to edit hits properly. They will spend mm-hmm. a lot of time on like the setup and during an actual fight scene they will cut away almost as soon as any hits happen, even before hits happen. And it's something that through a video series like um, Stuntman React for Corridor Digital, that they have a series on YouTube, they have Stuntman come on and talk about great fight scenes in movies and what makes a great fight scene. And you have stunt people there to sell a hit, and you have to film them being hit or, or selling that hit. And if all of your edits are before those hits happen, then none of them feel like they connect. None of them feel hard or important, and it's really difficult to follow the flow of a fight. Um, I noticed a lot of scenes where a character would like be on the ground and then be up, and there was no transitionary scene where they're getting up off the ground, even in normal dialogue scenes. So I'd love to know what you guys' thoughts on like the way the fight scenes were edited, or even just like movement of characters, because it was very dicey at times. I'm glad you pointed that out, specifically in the first Jack's uh, Sub-Zero fight, because there was a scene where it went from one shot to another, and after Jax got knocked back down, it transitioned, and Jax was in, like, a completely different place with, like, no reaction to, like, the hit that he'd just gone through. So, now that you mention it, I'm not going to be able to unsee that when I rewatch. <laughs> but that, that one particularly stuck out to me. I had the same problem with the same fight. It was sloppy editing, if you ask me. There's, there's a scene, you can't sell a fight or a hit if you don't see that hit properly. And there's a scene where Jax gets basically yeeted down a really big hole in that same building. He's not it's got comical. His, yeah. It's fucking funny. He's not like. got his fancy metal arms. He's not as big and buff as you expect him to be. And he's hitting hard concrete that's a good, what, 20 feet below him? And he basically just kind of goes, eh. And then, like, <laughs> the camera cuts out and you're like, no, there would be blood! This is an R-rated movie. Give me what I paid to see. Well, I didn't, but give me what I came here to see. Like, this is stupid. Professional wrestling has harder hits than this movie. And stuntmen are paid to take hits. This is why I like stuntmen like Kane Fodder on Friday the 13th. That guy literally said, set me on fire and throw me down some stairs. And he did it. Like, you're a stuntman. You are going to get hit. Please do not insult them by not showing that in the movie. Just there's there's a lot of opportunities that they didn't take advantage of it and the aspects where they like really went full bore on violence or gore where they could have done some cool physical or pra- practical effects and I have I would love to have seen if they'd done Goro again because in the original film they have an animatronic version and in this one he's done really well as a digital version but man we've got so much better animatronics now the, it would have been pretty cool puppet. to see a big forearmed yeah but yeah the um the, the poor stunt people in this, and when they do lean on the violence, it's all digital, and it's Jack slapping someone's head in half and it exploding. Or it it can be a little bit silly, and I know that's the point, but I kind of wanted a better balance of that. Can we talk about Jack's baby arms? Oh, I loved him. They were so cute. Uh, the only problem I had with Jack's because I've seen. Is it Metcar Brooks in quite a few things before? And he's usually quite a badass. Mm-hmm. And the casting for this movie overall, I absolutely adored the casting. I had yeah. no problems with any of this. But 
they made him quite whiny for the character he was playing. For a lot of that film, all he did was sulk. And I get it. Your arms have been ripped off. You've been given these tiny little metal baby arms. I'd probably have a bit of a sulk too. But when you are surrounded by utter badasses and you're being told the entire world is at stake, probably not the time to be sulking. It's a, it's a bad character moment, I think. Um, I, I think they, tie, they tried to tie the evolution of the characters getting their powers into various character development arcs, which can be effective storytelling. It's like the, you had the power inside you all along kind of thing. <laughs> but again, with the way that they structured the film, they spend a lot of time telling you that certain people aren't champions. And then they completely go back on that for no reason and without any provocation. They even have a character stab another one, drink her blood, and say, you don't have the blood of a champion. And almost in that character's next scene, she develops the powers and becomes a champion. And you're like, what the fuck are you trying to tell me, movie? Because this is very confusing. I'm getting mixed messages. Was that from killing another champion that she became one? Like, I thought that was the rule in the movie. But Kano also wasn't. Okay, Kano no. had the mark, didn't he? Yeah, he, I think he had the mark. He had the mark because yeah. she joked about killing him multiple, or he joked about her killing him multiple times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she, mm-hmm. she got the well, mark then, from him. Yeah. Well, they, they, they clearly never explained that because if it was a Highlander situation <laughs> and they're like, maybe this thing could happen, that would have been cool too. They never address it. They spend they, they a lot of time diving into this shit I, but not in the ways that are important i swear they at least said that like a few times just to be just so like it was almost foreshadowing for a reason to kill kano because he's yeah. a dick well the kano how kano gets his powers just I, I don't understand it so what Liu kang and kung lao just piss him off and haze him for five minutes and That's then all of a sudden powers. he's so really angry <laughs> he turns part cyborg I don't understand. You won't like me when I'm angry. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't get it. I've worked in customer service. If that was a thing, <laughs> I would be half cyborg by now. Well, I mean, it's it's the same weirdness. That where where does Jack's extra arm come from? You know, does it come from internal? <laughs> I think he got mad too. I think everyone's deal is that they got mad, but they built it up as like, you have to, you know, develop your arcanum. And they made it to this thing where it's like, I'm training so hard and I'm not developing my arcanum. And then like, my family is threatened. I am now mad, you know? So I now have my arcanum. That was literally I it. I don't know if anyone else was confused of Cole's relationship to his sister-slash-girlfriend-slash-wife and if his daughter was his girlfriend-slash-his-daughter or not. They they did talk about it, but I was like, these characters all look like the same age <laughs> and they never super address, like, is this a kid from a previous marriage? Is this his kid? Is this his girlfriend? Is this his wife? It's all very loose. And then the ultimate conclusion to that relationship is he's just punching them out of ice. I'm not I'm not throwing too much shade on it. Like, feel free to explore it the way you want your characters to explore it. But god damn it, it feels really shallow. <laughs> I never understood. I, I still don't know the, the relationship between them three. I just feel like they need... The writers needed... A woman and a child to put in that moment to link it back to the beginning where Scorpion loses his wife and child to bring it full circle. And they didn't quite know how to do it. So they were like, okay, you're our main character. So you need to have something. And they did it that way. But I'm still like, is it his sister? Is it his girlfriend? What's I I legit don't know. 
I have no idea. My brain defaulted to wife-child after a bit, because like, for, <laughs> for the first bit, I thought it was like, oh, it's a girl he's interested in. Like, oh, no, it's his wife. Oh, he's got a kid now. <laughs> or it might have even been like inverted order. It's like, oh, he's got a daughter. And it's like, oh, interested girl or, or wife. And yeah. And it's like his, his daughter, if it is his daughter, is the person in his corner watching him brutally get the shit kicked out of him at these boxing matches. And everyone is okay with that. Like, that's normal behavior in this universe. No one bats an eyelid at that. And she's kind of mad that he's getting his ass kicked. She's like, come on, get up. And I'm like, okay, well, this is traumatic. Uh, I'm realizing we've we've made a mistake and we haven't talked about Monster Hunter once. <laughs> Maybe we can talk about it some other time. We have devoted all of our time to Mortal Kombat. Maybe because it was the funner movie. It merited a lot to talk about. Yeah. I, I, I did not enjoy my experience with Monster Hunter. It was very forgettable. I, I, I felt like, yeah, so going over Monster Hunter, it was a strange thing to witness because you had Ron Perlman show up for a little bit. And the other thing was that they have two, uh, like the co-stars, um, like, what's her name? Mila Jovovich. Yeah, okay, that's right. Yeah, tip of my tongue. Anyway, so you had her... And you had a Chinese co-star. And it feels, how do I put this, um, kind of transparently pandering to, you know, we want an American audience, we want a Chinese audience. So we got to have both in the movie. Neither of them are going to learn the other language. So let's just, you know, put them on a set together and film some action. It's another one of those turn-off-your-brain movies, very much in the vein of Mortal Kombat, except I'd say it had even less of a overall like plot structure that they were going into for the whole thing and it also became two movies because the first half was like jaws where you have to you know come together to kill a giant thing and then the second thing was closing the portal you know back to earth to save earth which of course is not going to get resolved because they wanted to allude to another movie and there was a weird um, forced appearance by the U.S. military from the very beginning, since her whole deal is that she is U.S. military. And what felt like forced Monster Hunter references, because they weren't that organically integrated into the world itself. It very much felt like um, they knew, they had all the pictures of Monster Hunter, they knew like vaguely about it, but, you know, we can draw Monster Hunter, we can model Monster Hunter, we can animate Monster Hunter. Don't ask us to get into the plot of Monster Hunter. It's a little much. The To say that this film had plot would be incredibly generous. Um, <laughs> and I think that all of all of the things you said are very accurate. It feels so much like a American military propaganda movie. It feels so much like a incredibly pandering to Chinese markets kind of movie. And they come together in an awful way. And overall, the end product is super unsatisfying. And the climax of the film is where it ends. So that's not usually the best strategy. That's true, yeah. But you spend all this time building up to, we're finally going to face this big monster. And then they're like, and cut, end movie. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, so I guess you're just really hoping for a sequel, right? A sequel to this terrible film. <laughs> I haven't seen it, and that's partially because, like, when a new Mortal Kombat was coming out, I, I sought it out actively, like, where can I see this? And I kind of just forgot this was coming out. And that was because I saw the director's name. And then I saw the lead actress's name. 
And then I remembered Resident Evil, and I remembered Alice, and then I remembered what he did to Alien vs. Predator, and I got really, really mad. So then I just forgot the whole project was happening, and that is where I'm at. Who's the director again? Paul W.S. Anderson. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And for for those who aren't in the know, um, Miljovic and Paul W.S. Anderson are a married couple, and it often just feels like he's making films just for his wife, um, where he inserts her as a completely unoriginal character into the existing property. She becomes a Mary Sue, where she can just tackle any problem and is unfazed by just about anything and is overall a huge air quotes badass because that's not actually a badass and they're super lame and huge dorks when they're just like, I'm good at everything. Nothing can faze me. I have to admit, though, like, I admire their relationship. They've been doing this, like, what, 17 plus years just like doing these movies and she's I wish still... they wouldn't <laughs> i know he wish they would but uh, on the same level of the stunt guys were having a good time but they're having a good time you know they get to travel um she's keeping busy by doing all this like super neat fight training with army rangers and stuff and keeping in shape and they're just having a good time spending millions of dollars yeah yeah i think it's the third resident evil film mm-hmm. they um got mia's stunt person they had her arm ripped off oh there was a a huge accident on set where she almost died and she i think she lost both her arm and her leg um so i'm gonna just jump in and say the stunt people not always having the funnest time (laughs) yeah oh Oh, my goodness i had no idea (laughs) i knew that stuff had gone wrong with the filming of extinct extinction is isn't it um, yeah, I didn't know it had gone wrong to that extent. I just got really mad at it because it, it was my childhood. I loved yeah. Resident Evil. And as far as representation in video games goes for women, you've got so many badass women who are still flawed and are still human and relatable in the Resident Evil series, like Claire, like Jill, even Moira Burton. Like, there's so many. And we had to create basically a robot with superpowers where she does not belong this is why i didn't watch monster hunter because i was like the property is probably incredible but they're not gonna take the property they're gonna take the property name they're gonna make some shit up they're gonna plonk it in there with her face on it and they're just gonna run with it so this is the thing that jess and i uh jess my wife talked about on the on the and and we can wrap up soon because I know that we all have things to go do. But um, on the greater whole concept of video game films, because this is kind of our, our second approach at this, you can't take a story that's told over eight to ten to twenty hours, etc., and try to jam it into something that's like two hours. If anything, do the approach that a few other things have done recently, like The Witcher, like I know they're planning to do with The Last of Us, which I'm not excited for at all, but Hopefully the format of a mini-series where you have at least maybe six hours, eight hours to play with for a video game story is the way to tell these stories. You cannot introduce the number of characters, the number of concepts in an effective way and tell a full narrative the way that video games do because you're just completely neutering the medium. I feel that makes a good point, but to like sort of elaborate on that, a lot of the things that make video games great is not good fodder for cinematic storytelling. I feel that Naughty Dog's an exception mostly because they base their games around being 
a cinematic story experience. And I feel The Witcher is an exception because that had source material in a novel that like aided itself to it very well. So I think that in any case, it'll be challenging because you have this idea of a gameplay loop where you are set to do a certain amount of things, like a finite number of them, and repeat those actions. Like in Pokemon Go, you go out, you start walking, you're looking for Pokemon or you're looking for Pokestops, you throw Pokeballs, you catch them, you reel them in, and then you might do a boss battle, but ultimately your play session will end like after having done those certain amount of things and feeling that you've reached an okay stopping point. Whereas in a narrative cinematic universe, it's all focus on story. And video game stories overall like don't have that as much focus on that because they know their primary appeal is letting you experience something yourself, like experiencing exploration or you know overcoming a challenge. And it's harder to do that when you're looking at someone else do that. You don't feel that same visceral sensation you do when you do it yourself. So you will, like, to an extent, be a little less invested in it. And you have to approach it by adapting it rather than repeating or alternatively ignoring the whole thing and just having your wife, you know, do a bunch of cool stuff with guns in the desert. Do you have any thoughts on, on ways that movies could be better or closer to video games, Kiwi? I agree with the series. The series route is the way to go. Marvel have proven it with them. I know it's not video games, but the the couple of series that Marvel did instead of films have been a lot better than some of the films, in my opinion. But I believe there's a second chance coming for Resident Evil because Netflix are doing a series and it's not directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. And Netflix series tend to be spot on. Um, so hopefully, fingers crossed, we get the Resident Evil series we deserve. And hopefully it's scary, because what is the point in Resident Evil if it's not scary? Yeah, I can I can imagine they, they do... You have that big opening, you have the Resident Evil, and then it's like a non-scary game. You're like, okay, so... They're always a bit cheesy. That's the, the oh, yeah. charm of it. But... but you can still wet your pants and then laugh about it afterwards. <laughs> Yes, so if you would like to reach us and ask us questions, see if you wanted to you know, spark some ideas, bounce some thoughts off of us, you can always contact us at spawncamppodcast at gmail.com. And our socials are spawn underscore camp on Twitter and Instagram. Don't forget to rate and review us. It really does help. And you can always share our episodes on social media. If anyone wanted to reach you, Trey, where would they contact you? You can find me at Trey Game Dev on Twitter. And what about yourself, Kiwi? I can be found at Kiwi Kashu on Twitter and Instagram. Excellent. And if you ever want to reach out to me and send me hate mail, you can contact me at Tony Ray UK on Instagram and Twitter as well. But thank you both for joining this week and diving back into video game movies. Maybe we'll do this again. There's always going to be these properties coming up. But I hope everyone has a wonderful week, and I'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>